Well, I got a couple of slides there to show you um, this morning. So this past week, as much as it was a family vacation, it was also our Western Ontario District Conference. And all that means is every, well, every year all of our pastors across our district get together for a conference. But this year was a significant year because it was an election year. And our superintendent uh, is now officially retired. And so if you could throw that picture up there, guys. Uh, Pastor Lori and Debbie have served our district for the last 12 years um, as district superintendent. And so we had a great, fantastic evening Tuesday night honoring both Pastor Lori and Debbie for their faithful years of service. And Debbie grew up in Sault Ste. Marie and uh, spent a lot of her summers at uh, Spring Bay Camp on Manitoulin Island. And so out of that experience, Pastor Lori has a great love for the North and has been a real champion for Northern churches. And so we are, of course, a Northern Ontario church. And uh, as a church, we're really grateful for our district. In case you don't know this, every month they give us a subsidy, and they have for the last, oh, forever. And uh, we are so grateful for their investment into our community. And um, I know that as Pastor Lori and Debbie are ready to retire from a position and a title, uh, their ministry will continue until, I imagine, many, many years to come. But uh, with that said, we elected a brand new superintendent, and you can put the next slide up. Uh, his name is Jason Small. He's standing there with Pastor Lori. This is the night of the, the Tuesday night moment, I believe, or no, it was the Wednesday morning. And uh, we got to celebrate our new superintendent. Now, if you were here a few years ago, my first Sunday or my first time here, some of you would have met Jason Small. He was our Northern Regional Director, and then most recently he served as our church planting uh, new church network director. And so he was elected as our new superintendent for Western Ontario District. And so uh, we were really excited to see this next direction that uh, we, we go and we learn. And uh, also, yours truly, myself, and just in case you wanted to know, uh, I was also elected to serve on our district executive. And so... People ask if I was excited, and I really have no idea how to answer that question, but uh, there's exciting days ahead, but we also have some really challenges uh, leading churches into, the, into this next season post-COVID. And so uh, I appreciate your prayers always as your pastor, and uh, I know that our district and our executive also appreciate your prayers as uh, we make some decisions for the future of all of our churches and the momentum that we have. And so if you would join me in a moment, uh, for a moment rather, to just uh, pray for Pastor Jason as he takes on this new leadership role. And uh, we're just excited that God has called him and he's been willing to step into this position. So would you join me now? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness over the years across our district. Lord, I thank you for the 300 plus churches that are gathering, Lord, in person online this morning to uh, worship your holy name. Lord, I thank you for our fellowship, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, for how you have uh, called us, Lord, to be your children, for the movement, Lord, that we are. Lord, I thank you that uh, you have blessed our congregation, you have blessed our community, and you've enabled, oh God, our district to be able to provide finances, Lord, for us to keep our doors open, to keep ministry happening, to allow us to introduce more people to you, Jesus. 
Lord, I thank you for Pastor Jason. I thank you for his wife, Carla, and their family. Lord, we just pray now a blessing over him. Lord, we pray that you would uh, give him wisdom, give him discernment, O oh God. And we just thank you for the great things that are ahead for our district and our Pentecostal family. We just pray that, uh, Lord, he would know that you are not too far away. Lord, I thank you that he walks in the Spirit. Lord, he is filled with your Spirit, that you go before him and you go with him. Lord, be with our new, newly elected executive team as they help, Lord, make decisions for the future. Lord, I thank you that there is so much hope, Lord, around us, Lord, in a time of darkness. Lord, your light is shining bright. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been around the last few weeks, of course, minus last Sunday, we've been talking about the Jesus method. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody say he is good. Jesus is the Lord of creation, the source of reconciliation, the reason for our hope. Jesus is the strength to live a new life. Who here is thankful for a new life? I know I am. I'm thankful that every day can be a new day. And I have hope every day that today in my life I might love Jesus just a little bit more. Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is 100% fully God. Jesus is the reason the cosmos exist and hold it together. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the resurrected one. Jesus is the peacemaker between God and humanity. Jesus is the one who works mightily in us. And I say amen to that. And so this idea, this series, The Jesus Method, is really about this. The first week was all about selection, reshaping the world one life at a time. If you want to see the world become a better place full of God's love, allow God's love into your world. Allow God's love to change your heart, to change your mind. Is anybody out there stubborn today? Okay, I thought so. You put your hand up, Glory. Okay, so Glory's apparently really stubborn, but do you know something that's really special about Glory? She's also very teachable, and she's very quick to admit when she's wrong, and I admire that about you, Glory, because in your stubbornness, there's always still a willingness to grow closer to God, to do the right thing, and that is inspiring, so thank you. Thank you for your honesty this morning, too. Corey, you got some work to do. And only, the only reason I can make fun of you is because I'm in the same boat as you are, okay? But the fact is, if we want our world to be a bit of a better place, if we want God's light to shine a little bit better in our world, invite him into our world. Allow him to reshape and take over your life. And then Jesus' method, he selected people to follow him, people that were willing, people that wanted to make a difference, people that wanted to live in hope and not in despair, and so invite someone to join you on this journey. That's the challenge. Invite someone that's willing. There's going to be people that are going to say no thank you. There's going to be people that are going to yell no thank you. And then there's going to be the people that are just going to say no and debate you. And that's okay. That's okay. That's what prayer is for. But invite people that are willing. Invest in people that are willing. Jesus invested in those who nobody else was willing to take a chance on. Maybe you're looking for the perfect person to invest your life in and to pour your heart out and to share the good news with, but 
maybe you're not, maybe the person that you are called to minister to is not someone that you would expect. So go for the willing. We can talk about that one-on-one later if you'd like. Second week, we talked about association, and the five most important words that Jesus shared with his disciples were this, I am with you always. I am with you always. Through every season, through every storm, through every opposition, through every circumstance, Jesus is with us. He chose to be associated. I don't know if you have a really best friend, but I have some friends in my life. Some of you I would probably do the same thing for. It doesn't really matter what they do. It doesn't matter if they're guilty or innocent. They're my friends and I'm sticking by their side. Right? You know, they say, you know, you say your, your friends will come bail you out of jail, but your best friend will be sitting next to you in the cell. Right? Now, the... <laughs> This has never happened to me, but it's been close. I seem to remember a graduation from Bible college, nonetheless, that involved fireworks, Armor Hill, and the Peterborough Police Department. There was a lot of grace given that night. But Jesus chooses to associate with us. For those of us who've been willing to follow, he says, look... Look, Peter, you kind of got a big mouth. You open it too many times. You say the wrong things, but I am with you. I'm choosing to be with you. In obedience, in response to Jesus committing to always be with us, he requires obedience, consecration. We talked about this on Thanksgiving, and the line I shared was, may I show my thankfulness, may I show my gratitude by living a life which is pleasing to you. We show gratitude to Father God by following his commands, such as love one another. Two weeks ago, I talked about impartation. You can only convince someone the gospel is true by living out the love and life in the presence of Jesus in your own life. You can only convince anybody that the gospel is true because of the love of Jesus, the unconditional love, the never-ending, unstoppable love of God. So why the Jesus method? I don't know if you know this, but the enemy doesn't care about what you believe. You may remember this line, what does he care about? He cares about what we do. Nobody cares about what we believe until they see what we do. And so I'm really thankful that I get to pastor a church like you guys, whether you're online or in person. I I get to pastor a church that actually believes that God wants to do more than he has already done. Our theme of our conference this week was greater things. And it was a great way for, for us to honor Pastor Lori and his legacy and it was so refreshing to see him not be intimidated by a new leader, but to launch a new leader by saying there are still greater things yet to come for our fellowship, greater things yet to come for the kingdom of God. And I believe that fully for our church as well. There are greater things for us to do in the kingdom of God to bring the kingdom of God to the North Shore. And I'm so thankful that I get to be on this journey of faith with you that we get to discover the love of God, the presence of God, the person of God together. I'm so excited that we get to share all of those characteristics with the world around us, and I get to do that with you. That's incredibly honoring. I get to do that with you. 
I'm so thankful that we are part of a team that wants to see hope live here. So today, with that said, our fifth installment of this series is demonstration. Can someone say demonstration? demonstration? Jesus knows what is important, in case you didn't know that. Jesus' efforts to communicate to his followers the secrets of his spiritual influence was a deliberate course of action and strategy. In other words, everything that Jesus did, it was for a purpose. He had a strategy in mind. He didn't just tell his disciples what to do. Just like I try, and I'm not always the best at this, but I try not to just tell you what to do because no one wants to be told what to do anyway. People do what they want to do because they're stubborn, regardless of what the pastor says. Right, Glory? But it's true. Everything that Jesus did was strategic. He had a plan and a method and a purpose. And so it is true that we live by what we do. Now, what's one of the first things you say when you meet somebody, right? Hi, hello, my name is, and your name is, oh, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? And we tie our identity so much to what we do for a living. Now, some of us, we love what we do. We feel called what we do. And some of us are in between, and some of us have no idea what that means. But here's the good news today. That's not what I'm talking about. Now, that may play a big part of our lives. It may play a big role in who we are as followers of Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, people are more concerned with what you do than what you believe. Because if what you do doesn't line up with what you believe, they're not going to believe you. It's true. And so Jesus demonstrates to his disciples, not just by word of mouth of what is going to happen and what he believes to be true and what he says is true. He lives his life and he demonstrates truth. He demonstrates, demonstrates reconciliation. Jesus demonstrates God's love for us. One of my favorite verses that you can find, it has the word demonstrate in it, is Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 6 so we kind of get a bigger perspective, but verse 8 is the one that we're really after today. You see, at just the right time, somebody say the right time. The pastor finished his message. No, sorry. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But verse 8, this is what we're talking about today. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Take a moment and grasp just how powerful that statement is. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we, will, while we were still far apart from God, doing our own thing, not even acknowledging his existence, he demonstrated his love for us. Christ died for us. It says that Jesus came to bring us life and bring us life to the full, or to bring us abundant life, a joyful life. 
While we were still far from God, even though we don't deserve it, God chose to send Jesus to die for us. That is the greatest demonstration of love that I can think of. It's the greatest demonstration of love ever known to mankind. That even though we don't deserve it, God died for us. This is why we're doing this series today. We live by what we do because what we, did, what we do determines who we really are. Not talking about your job, I'm talking about our identity. But how you do your job determines who you are and whose you are. It's why we follow the example of Jesus. We walk in the Spirit, we create routines, we create habits, we put boundaries in place. We say, if, if I've made this decision to follow Jesus, if I've made him king of my heart like we sang this morning, there are certain things that we're going to do to demonstrate not only to God himself our commitment, but to the world around us. And by the very attendance of those that are here or online this morning, you're, you're demonstrating your love for God in return to his love for us. You showed up to church. Now, it's not about going to church, but it's about coming together as a family, coming together as God's children to celebrate the name of Jesus, to be fed by his word, to be filled with the spirit, to experience the presence of God together, to encourage one another, to lift one another up, and as you know, Pastor Katie and I, that means make fun of each other from time to time to time to time, most of the time. If there's 59 minutes in an hour, or 59 minutes of the hour, one minute is kindness, and the other 59 is fill Pastor Gary's office with balloons while he's away. Or was that Rebecca? That was Pastor Katie. <laughs> But how we do our job determines who we are and whose we are. We follow Jesus' example. We eat, breathe, and move about to stay alive and healthy in the physical. Jesus taught us how to live, learn, and grow in the spiritual. And we're going to talk about these things right now. I don't know about you, but people have different learning styles. And so some of you, you really like the lecture style. So when Pastor Gary gets up and he just talks, and you listen, you take it all in. Some people are more visual. Show me a video on a screen how to do something. And some people just need the hands-on approach. Like, give me something in my hands, let me figure it out. Now, you can tell me later what learning style you have, but I believe demonstration is, is, is key. Um, hands-on demonstration for me is, is huge. Um, I learned how to use a how to use a skill saw or a circular saw. I learned how to use a table saw or a chop saw because someone demonstrated to me how to do it. I learned how to use a paint roller, although I don't enjoy it. I learned how to use a paint roller because someone demonstrated to me how to use a paint roller properly. Did you know you can't just throw paint on the roller and start throwing it on the wall? Apparently, that's not how you paint. Brandon will tell you, and he'll yell at you if you do it that way. He will show you and demonstrate it to you how to do it properly. Demonstration is key. Uh, someone taught me how to use a measuring tape once. They demonstrated how do you use a measuring tape. And then I forgot and had to go to YouTube and learn how to do it again. Something like that. If you want a good home reno channel or DIY channel, may I recommend to you Home Renovision DIY. 
Home Renovation DIY. Great YouTube channel. Shows you and demonstrates every area of your home that you can renovate from doing your own bathroom remodels and tiling and installing a toilet and uninstalling a toilet. And by the way, I'd rather install the toilet than uninstall the toilet. But he gives you the tips and tricks. He demonstrates for you how to do it the best way. Because I have done it not the best way, and I wish I would have known the best way. Demonstration. One of the greatest acts of demonstration that Jesus ever showed us is found in the book of John, chapter 13. And I just turned to the book of Matthew. There we go. John, chapter 13, verse 12. This is a powerful moment in Jesus' ministry and in the life of the disciples. This is one of the most powerful moments where we see Jesus truly demonstrate God's love for us. I think I gave you the wrong... Okay, we can start there. Let me set the scene for you. Jesus is getting ready for the Last Supper. And so it's just before the Passover feast. And it was customary at the time for people to come into the room and there would be the servant that would come and wash your feet. Because, of course, in Israel... They walked everywhere and they wore sandals and so their feet were dirty and they needed to be cleaned and so someone would come and they would wash their feet and it was usually some sort of servant and as the disciples walked into the room with Jesus, they looked around for the place to wash their feet and nobody was there to do the job. And next thing you know, Jesus takes a knee and he invites his disciples to come and he washes all of their feet. And this is where we find ourselves at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he asked them this question, do you understand what I have done for you? This is what he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also, also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Here is Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, 100% God, 100% man, bending down on a knee, washing his disciples' feet, taking the place of a servant. And he says to them, you have seen me do this as an example, as a demonstration of what you should do for one another. Now, we've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about unforgiveness or not forgiving those before. And we said, how do you respond to those who've hurt you? You show them love and you show them forgiveness because it sets you free and all that's fine and good and that's true. Imagine for a moment, you're in a room with this person you've walked all over and it's time to wash your feet and there's no one there to wash the feet and so you take it upon yourself to wash the feet of the person that is about to betray you. Because as much as Jesus washed all the 12 disciples' feet, 
One of those 12 was Judas Iscariot, the very one that betrayed him. If that isn't true love, if that isn't God demonstrating his love toward us when we are farthest from him, then I don't know what is. In my mind, nothing compares to this moment, this incredible demonstration of love. And he says, wash the feet of one another. Now, our first example of what Jesus taught us to do, how do we actually get to those moments? How do we actually love someone that much, even though we know they hate us, they despise us, and maybe they've even turned their back on us? How do we show them and demonstrate God's love toward them? Well, Jesus had a set of patterns in his life. He had methods in his life. He had a strategy in place, and everything that he did was part of that strategy. And so the first thing, one of the most common things we see Jesus do, and you're going to be astounded by this method. You're not going to be able to believe it. It's crazy. Do you know what one of the most common things that Jesus did was? He prayed. Wow. I was expecting something crazy, Pastor Gary. He prayed. It is no mistake that Jesus often let his disciples, or at least a few of them, see him conversing with his Father in heaven. They saw firsthand the strength that it gave him in his life in ministry. In the moments, they may not have fully grasped the situation as they watched him, but they learned by watching and copying him. He didn't pause to teach them about prayer, at least not until they asked the questions. He just simply prayed. He would leave the crowds, he would leave some of his disciples, and he would go by himself, and he would go, and he would pray to his father. And the disciples watched as he did this regularly, often. He never talked about it until one point, curiosity and wonder began to grow between his friends and his followers. Curiosity began to grow with those around him. It was when his followers were finally hungry to know more that he started to speak about it. As a result of these questions and questions from the religious leaders who Jesus talked about how they should pray, how they shouldn't pray, we see both in Luke 11, 1 to 4 and Matthew 6 to 9, or 6, 9 to 13, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. And he says, this is how you should pray. And he gives them not the words to say, but a model for prayer. A model for prayer. I've preached about this passage many times. I'm sure I can find you the notes for it if you want. But here's the quick version. The Our Father. The first thing we realize is he acknowledges in his prayer who he's talking to. God, his Father. Then he says, hallowed be thy name. Holy. I'm talking to my Father. He's holy. There's no one like him. He's set apart. There is no one more holy than him. And following those lines is a pattern that Jesus gives us in how we pray. Unless the disciples learn this practice of prayer and the practice of consistent prayer, I don't believe much would have come from their lives. Because prayer isn't just a one-way conversation. It's a two-way street. If you find it hard to pray... And sometimes I believe it can be hard to pray. Sometimes I think we can be intimidated to pray. 
We think, why would God ever want to hear from me? Why would God ever want to talk to me? Don't listen to that voice because it's not your voice. God really does want to hear from you. It's why he demonstrated his love toward us with Jesus. God wants to hear from you. You're his child. You are his creation. He really does want to talk to you. If you've been here in person for the last number of weeks before our countdown starts, we have a little music video that plays. It's the same video every week. It's a music video from Elevation Church, the song Talking to Jesus. Now, I don't think it's a true story, but it is a beautiful story written in a song about a young boy watching his grandmother pray, watching his mother pray, having his son walk in on him as he's praying and teaching his son how to pray. It's a beautiful song, beautiful story. Jesus wants to talk with you. Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. One of the other habits, one of the other methods that Jesus demonstrates to us and to his disciples was that he never ceased to use scriptures in his conversation. He very much knew what was in this book. One, because he was Jewish, but because there was truth about his father that he wanted to know. One of the best examples, of course, is when he is tempted in the desert. So here's an amazing story. Jesus gets baptized And as he comes out of the water, an audible voice from heaven says, This is my son, who I am well pleased. And so out of that moment, Jesus goes and he fasts and he prays for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, he's tired and he's hungry. And that is when the enemy comes and starts to tempt Jesus. And every time the enemy tempts Jesus, he responds with a scripture. He responds with the word of truth, inspired by God, his Father himself. He begins to speak scripture and he's able to withstand the temptation. And two things stand out about this is because he remembers who he is. He also remembers whose he is. This is my son who I'm well pleased. I belong to my father. No one's greater than my father. I don't need to bow down to anybody else. Because when I am in my Father's house, that's more than enough. That's all that I need. Jesus uses Scripture every time he's tempted. He demonstrates how to overcome using Scripture. Number three, Jesus never forgot his purpose. He never forgot his mission. Healing, reconciliation, and restoration. That's what he was about. Bringing people who are far from God back reconciled close with God. And he did it through healing, through reconciliation and restoration. Everything that Jesus said and did had some relevance to the work of evangelism. By either explaining a spiritual truth, by taking a mustard seed to explain faith in the kingdom of God, or giving advice on how to deal with difficult people. Number four, Jesus was teaching. This one is obviously obvious. Because he didn't necessarily have a teaching method because he was the teaching method. If you've ever heard the phrase, I can't remember, it's a Canadian that came up with it, but the medium is the message. How you communicate the message demonstrates what the message is. And he was the master in teaching. Jesus was the master in teaching. 
He did not let his method obscure his lesson. Sometimes Pastor Gary does. I get on rants and tangents, and I, I go off, kind of forget what I'm teaching in a moment, and kind of obscure what the lesson is. You always know, I remember doing a class in Bible college, and we had to all teach a section of the course, because the whole class was all about communication. And so the professor had this great, bright idea, why don't we let the students learn how to communicate by teaching the class how to communicate? Which is a really great idea in principle, as long as everybody does their homework. And you can always tell the students that did the research and the homework because they would communicate to us something that was valuable, helpful, and insightful. But the ones that didn't, they just tried to make it look good, even though there was no substance. I don't know if you have been around very many people, but I don't like to be around people that don't have a lot of substance, that are all show with no action. I shouldn't say I don't like to be around them, but there's not very much there. And so we always knew who did their homework by the quality of their presentation. Aside from some people being nervous and all that, you can see past all that. But the ones that just thought they'd make it look good and didn't actually add anything or add any value were not very helpful at all. Jesus never let his method obscure the lesson. He let his truth call attention to itself. He wasn't too concerned about the presentation. For example, if you've ever read the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well, this is a powerful moment, a powerful moment where God is demonstrating his love not just to the Jews, but to the Samaritans and the Gentiles as well. This is an incredible moment where Jesus talks to a woman who is like the queen of sinners. And he has a conversation, which is an incredible moment in and of itself. We'll preach about that and talk about that another time. But it's an example of a demonstration of how Jesus was the message. And finally today, the fifth habit that we can see in Jesus is the word always. He was consistent in everything that he did. Class is always in session. We never stop learning. The disciples never stopped growing. They never stopped moving forward. They kept going no matter what. Jesus spent more time with his disciples after the big moments, explaining and teaching these things. They were always in conversation. They were always moving forward in their mission. And so the principle for us today is all boiled down that those of us seeking to train people must be prepared to have them follow us as we follow Christ. So if we want to see the kingdom of God grow on the North Shore, we have to invite people to follow us, follow Jesus. We have to invite people following us, follow Jesus. We have to give them something of substance. They have to see something real. They have to see the transformation take place in our lives. This is why I always tell, tell about talking about our story and our testimony. This is why I encourage us to tell the story of what God has done in our lives. It's why we stay connected to Jesus. It's why we pray regularly to him. It's why we stay in the scriptures because you can read the Bible front to back, front to back, front to back, front to back, and every time you read it, there can be something new that stands out to you, something new that challenges, challenges you, challenges me. It propels us forward and reveals a new truth about who God is, and we share that time and time and time again. Those of us who are seeking to train people must be prepared to have them follow us, follow Jesus.
that's kind of a big, big challenge, I think. Because it kind of makes us a little bit vulnerable. It's, it's this, kind of the part where we have to put our money where the mouth is. To say, hey, I am a follower of Jesus. But it opens us up. It puts the magnifying glass on us. Because people are watching. People are really curious. I don't know if, I don't know if you know this at all, but there's people that are really desperate for, for something of hope and of value out there. There's people that are hurting or broken that need to experience the truth. And they're watching us. They're watching the things that we do. And you know what? We're doing some really cool things as a church. You know, something as simple as handing out coffee, something as simple as handing out chocolate bars, something as simple as putting all the tables we have in the building in this room and filling them with clothes so that kids can have clothes to wear that are the right size and without holes, it says a lot to people. You know, Rebecca had a post about, about our church, and reading some of the comments on that post of, of people in our community looking at the example and the love that we're showing, you know, God's doing something really cool with us. God's using us in some pretty cool ways. He's using us to demonstrate his love toward us. And so, I mean, these big events, you know, it's, it's something simple. It's an opportunity. It's what it is. It's a means to an end. There's nothing special or magical about coffee and chocolate bars and clothes. I mean, food is really great. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I really pray that we can have some sort of formal Christmas banquet again this year some sort of celebration, because it's an opportunity for us to invite someone to join us. And they say, you know, I've been coming to this church for years, and tell me why you come to this church. It's an opportunity for conversation. It's an opportunity for us to demonstrate practically our faith. I'm really excited about what God's doing here. I'm really excited with what God's doing with us. You know, some of you, you go down to the hospital. Some of you work there. Some of you volunteer there. I think, I, 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 I don't know if you go to the, so I go to conference and I brag about my church because you guys are awesome. And so I go to conference and I brag about people like Glory who will, who will go sit with the hospice team and sit with people in the last days of their lives. I brag about people like Brenda who brings her laptop and her speakers and she's the DJ at Wilkes Terrace. I just think that's amazing. Sorry, I like to brag about you, Brenda. Just appreciate how God uses you to bring a little bit of joy. By the way, Brenda probably needs a ride today if anyone can help her out. But I'm amazed at the way that God uses you. And looking at Tina and Sandra who, and even Pastor Katie who work in our schools, you know, the kids love you guys because you bring so much joy and light with you wherever you go. It's so awesome to see the direction that God is taking us. It's so awesome to see our church begin to live out and demonstrate the love that God showed to us to the world around us. And so my challenge really is, as we go from this place today, is, to just, is, really, is, is really the message of just keep going. And, and don't be afraid to invite someone along with you. You know, we got, this is great. I mean, their table is full, so they're going to have to invite a person each and set at a whole new table separately. But this is so great is that we, we literally have a table that you can invite someone to. Now, I just, if, if you're going to come in the same group, sit up here so that the new people can sit on the outer side 
and they don't have to feel uncomfortable. But invite someone to join you. Invite someone on the journey. It's okay if you feel a little bit awkward or vulnerable at first. It's supposed to. But that's going to challenge us. It's going to make us better. It's going to force us to pray a little bit more, to understand a little bit more about what God is saying to us through his word. It's exciting times. Some exciting things in the future. And you know what's cool is that as we as begin to invite others on this journey, we're going to see incredible stories of transformation take place. You know, there's some really cool potential in our community because there's so much brokenness that exists. There's also so many incredible miracles of transformation that are about to take place. Because alcohol and drugs are a really big deal that we never actually see or talk about very much in our community, seeing someone delivered from it is going to be a huge miracle and moment of transformation to celebrate. All right, I'm going to stop talking now because I'm going to keep babbling. But are you excited about what God can do through your life? Because I'm excited about what God can do through you. I'm excited about what God could do through Judy and Marilyn and Tracy. and I'm excited about what God is doing through the Gregs in the back. I can say plural because there's two Gregs back there. I'm excited for what God is doing through Pastor Katie and Brandon and our youth team with our young people. And we've got some really cool opportunities that are starting to take place. Some young people that are starting to take a step of faith and say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. That's an amazing story. Students that have never followed Jesus before in their life, never heard his name other than as a curse word or something that the Catholics talk about. They're making decisions to follow Jesus. And that's because, obviously, of God's faithfulness, but it's also because of your faithfulness. You know, God placed us here as his church for such a time as this. Let me pray for us now. Oh God, you are our God. And Lord, we seek you with all of our hearts. Lord, we seek you with all of our minds and we seek you with all of our strength, Lord, because we want to know you. And Jesus, I thank you for demonstrating God's love to us by giving everything that you had, by giving everything of yourself for us. And Lord, as you have began a good work in this community on the North Shore, Lord, in Terrace Bay and in Scriber and in Rossport and Jackfish and Pays Platte, Lord, and for our viewers online, Lord, you've expanded, Lord, our family in so many amazing ways. Lord, I pray that we would never stop hungering for the things of you. Lord, we know that as the disciples got hungry for more, they started to ask you questions about prayer, and you paused and you taught them how to pray. God, I pray that there would be no fear in our room today. Lord, that we would not be timid or shy to come to you in prayer, that we wouldn't be afraid to open up the Bible. Lord, may it, Lord, through the amount of questions that we'll have every time we open it, I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, we would be able to work together to understand a little bit more about who you are. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness to invite others to join us on this journey of faith. Pray that you would give us the confidence to walk in your love no matter what, to stand in your love no matter what. Lord, for those that are far from you today in our community, I pray that one way, shape, or form, you would use us to be a bridge to them now. Lord, maybe it's tonight as they walk past the, the municipal office and scriber, Lord, as they say, hey, you're a church, tell me more. Lord, if that's the opportunity for someone to share their need and their moment of 
of desire for you, Lord, may it come to be. Lord, as they're walking by the Chappelle's house today, Lord, may they not be afraid to, to ask a question and, and begin to build a bridge to our Father God. Lord, I thank you for every person that has been able to join us today. Lord, would we go now with your blessing and with your joy. And Lord, may it be full and complete. In your name we pray. Amen.